Hello, my name is Jessica Wall, the food reporter at AdAge, and welcome to another edition of the Marketer's Brief podcast, our weekly discussion about marketing news and trends that have the industry buzzing. On today's episode, we are speaking with Mike Harris. Mike was a chef at McDonald's and is now starring in ads for one of its rivals, taste-testing Wendy's new breakfast items. We'll discuss how Mike got his start in cooking, his work at McDonald's, including the Szechuan sauce giveaway prompted by a single tweet, his Wendy's marketing work, games including Dungeons and Dragons, and what he enjoys making when he's at home. Hint, there's a 12-hour process involved. Now, here's my conversation with Mike. Hi, everybody. Again, it's Jessica Wall, Ad Age's food reporter. And today I'm here with Mike Harris. Hey, Mike. Hello. How are you? Thanks for having me. Great. Great to have you. So most people who know you know you as Chef Mike. Yes, that is true. Uh, I want to go back a little bit and talk about life before you were Chef Mike. When did you first get into cooking? Sure. So like many chefs, I'm one of those that uh, I grew up uh, cooking with my mom and grandma. You know, I remember at five five years old peeling potatoes and trimming green beans and stuff like that. Um, And I'm fortunate enough to be one of those that I've always wanted to be a chef. So that was kind of my my path in school as well. I was the, uh, you know, one of the few boys in the home ec class in junior high. So I could actually sew very well as well. I'm great at ironing, uh, things of that nature, which are actually very helpful in real life. So that uh, that worked out pretty good. Um, went to uh, Schomburg High School, go Saxons, and uh, did all the cooking classes I could there. Uh, and also was part of this Pro Start program, which is a college-level culinary courses while you're in high school. I got to leave high school uh, early during the week to work and stuff like that. So just been wanting to do that all my life and, and uh, yeah, followed that path. And so when you were growing up in Schaumburg, were you a big di- – did you get to dine out a lot, try different restaurants? Uh, actually, no. My, my uh, parents, I mean, they were decent enough cooks, especially my mom, but it was not – there's no chefs in my family. It was not fancy. So she could make one heck of a meatloaf and, you know, um, you know, stews and roasts and dips and things like that. But it was not I don't come from a, a classically trained culinary background, um, which is why, you know, coming up uh, in the culinary world and wanting to be a part of big chain restaurants and things like that. It's just flavors I'm familiar with and consumers like myself who would frequent those places. Um, so I didn't come back from that traditional. I, I always appreciate it, but that was not uh, my kind of my upbringing. So what was your favorite kind of thing to cook when you were a kid? Um, when I was a kid, it was probably more of that comfort food. So I would obviously try to replicate what my mom and grandma was doing. Uh, I am Polish, so there'd be Polish food, pierogies, kapusta, things like that. Um, but it would be make a fancier meatloaf or make a cooler burger with different ingredients or, you know, chicken and rice, things like casseroles and try to, uh, change the recipes a little bit compared to what my mom would do. Um, and then during holidays, there would always be a battle of, hey, mom, I want to try something new. And she'd be like, that's not tradition. We don't have we need to we need to have that really dry, overcooked turkey that I make, not some fancy, well-brined, well-seasoned turkey that you make. So even to this day during holidays, unless it's at my house, I don't have to do any cooking. My mom and, and parents do it. So 
that's pretty awesome. And they don't want you to cook now that now that you're a famous chef. They don't want you to be the <laughs> I, one. I do. I mean, I usually do, but when it's at their house, you know, they usually uh, want to. Um, the story goes like freshman year of college, I came home and did Thanksgiving or something, and I changed the menu completely. Uh, but my mom, especially, is very much a traditionalist, and was like, "This is not what we have during this holiday." So I'm like, "Okay, it's all yours. That's fine by me." And so when you went to school, when you went to culinary school, how long of a road was that between culinary school and and getting to McDonald's? Walk us through that path. Sure. So I went to Johnson & Wales in Providence, Rhode Island. Uh, I have a degree in culinary arts and culinary nutrition. Um, So going into culinary school, I wanted to be a chef who opened his own restaurant and, you know, my name on the door and all that. Learning more about the food industry and the life that I wanted to have outside of culinary school, I was like, I don't want to open up my own restaurant or be one of those that works 90 hours a week. Um, It is I I did work in restaurants for many years. I did that life for a while, um, but I wanted to have a family. And the other story is I wanted to be in a metal band as I graduated. So my nights, weekends and holidays, that's show night. Couldn't be working in a kitchen because I had to perform. Um, Ultimately, it was because I wanted to have a family and a life. But actually got a job in the food manufacturing biz right out of college. Um, So I went right from college to that. Uh, And then it was about eight to 10 years of working in the industry. Uh, I actually worked with somebody in a previous role uh, before McDonald's, who then got hired on as McDonald's, Um, kind of a mutual reaching out saying this position would be great for you. So then I was hired on as the manager of culinary innovation for the U.S. menu. And how long were you at McDonald's? Uh, a little over four years. Okay. And during that time, what were some of the things? There's one I want to get to, mm-hmm. which we will save with the word sauce in it. Sure. <laughs> but before we get there, talk to us about some of the menu innovations that McDonald's worked on while you were while sure. you were there. So it was my second day of employment when their all-day breakfast rolled out. Um, I was part of the chef's crafted, signature crafted team when I started. So all those uh, artisan fancy burgers. Um, Then I was part of the chicken team. So I helped launch things like the buttermilk crispy tenders, uh, glazed tenders, a lot of LTO work, things like that. Um, And then kind of the last year of my uh, time there. Due to the business need, I was kind of more on the optimization within the restaurant. Are there menu items we need to optimize or remove? How do we make it quicker? How do we hold food longer? Uh, things, uh, projects like that. So changed a little bit. Changed a little bit. So mm-hmm. you got to touch a lot of the menu. Oh, absolutely. Definitely. All day parts. Um, did not not really much in the beverage world other than, you know, the Blue Sky ideation meetings, discussing what flavor profiles might work, trend research. Uh, Stuff like that. Um, And then a lot of my time was behind mirrored glass serving consumers and getting actual reads of of what consumers were saying and making those kind of culinary decisions based off of that. Okay. And I mentioned sauce. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about something that a lot of people freaked out about. Oh, yeah. Szechuan sauce. Yes. So McDonald's gave away, and this is the story, Gave away 10,000 bottles of Big Mac sauce as a promotion. On Twitter, somebody reached out to me and said, hey, chef. Uh, They were somebody, I think an owner-operator. We were giving away these uh, bottles of Big Mac sauce. The Rick and Morty episode just aired um, where they called us out. Don't you think we should go ahead and give the people what they want and give them Szechuan sauce? So I simply replied, I'll see what I can do. That is exactly what I said. 
Hours later, thousands of retweets. Media says, McDonald's chef says he is bringing back Szechuan sauce. I was like, oh, no. So uh, I instantly gave my phone to, like, the legal team in the PR group saying, oh, this is blowing up right now. Um, fortunately for McDonald's, it did work, you know, worked out pretty well for them as the story goes. Um, you know, I, I tried to build a relationship with some of the creators of the show, wanted to do a lot of cool stuff with that, um, just due to timing, um, Rick and Morty, the show itself and McDonald's being relatively conservative, it did not get as big and as involved as I think it would have been. It could have been, you know, a huge thing. Um, and then obviously D-Day, uh, we know what happened there, so. <laughs> but fast forward a few years, and now Rick and Morty and food is sort of a thing. I mean, you've got the Rick and Morty Pringles. I don't know if yeah. you've tried those yet. I have not tried them. I know they exist, though. I will have to absolutely try them. Pickle Rick Pringles. Mm-hmm. And then in Australia, there are Pickle Rick Donuts. Really? At Krispy Kreme. Huh. But Very not here. interesting. Very interesting. Um, you know, I think they're probably also trying to make sure – um, you know, when they launch something that it is awesome. So the launch with McDonald's wasn't necessarily Rick and Morty approved, which I think was one of the issues also with it. Uh, I would have much preferred it to be, you know, let's play with them and do something awesome. Uh, didn't end up that way, but I think it's cool when it is like an actual approved Rick and Morty collaboration of a thing. So like Pickle Rick Pringles is hilarious. Pickles is a, you know, perfectly fine flavor that's, I wouldn't say trendy, but a lot of people like. And yeah, so I think it'll probably do pretty cool, pretty well. So since you've left McDonald's, which mm-hmm. was last August. Yes. Um, now people know you as sort of the Wendy's guy. Mm-hmm. That's um, correct. It's kind of like the guy who went from one phone company to another phone oh, company. Yeah. You have yeah. gone from one <laughs> fast food chain to another. Mm-hmm. How did the Wendy's collaboration come about? Sure. So, you know, I left McDonald's on my own accord. Uh, I wanted to do more kind of Internet stuff. You know, I do like using social media and I kind of got a, the smallest of followings. I would not consider myself an influencer at all, um, but I do kind of like having that voice and, uh, and um, you know, affecting the peoples in that way. Um, started working at a different position. Uh, and then it was kind of a mutual back and forth of Wendy's is incredibly responsive and hilarious on the Internet. Um, they have an amazing fan base. They actually have quite a bit of interaction back and forth, which um, also at my time at McDonald's, I, I very much threw myself to the marketing and PR folks like use me in social stuff. Um, they're very conservative, which is rightfully so. Um, so there were some of the things I was doing while I was employed at McDonald's was just on my own accord because I like those things and like doing fun stuff. Um, but it was just kind of a mutual. Their brand is hilarious and reaches out to a lot of people and responds as does mine, no longer working for McDonald's, and I love to capitalize on opportunities. So stars aligned, and they kind of, uh, you know, mutually discussed, would you like to, um, you know, work together in some kind of collaboration? I said, oh, I'd be more than happy to to discuss it, and here we are. So when did you first try the Wendy's breakfast? Um, So I tried it uh, as... Um, right before we actually shot footage. Um, And fortunately, you know, when you do any kind of media like that, you know, McDonald's and other fast food restaurants included, they have a team of food stylists and all these cool people uh, in there making. So I'm obviously I'm trying the best version of a thing. Um, And I got to try all the items, 
a lot of what we shot was unscripted. It was, all right, now tell us how you feel. Obviously, you know, I'm getting the best version of these. Um, but I will say, since it's been out now for a little while, I've been having my new favorite breakfast uh, somewhat regularly. And I think it's uh, it's incredibly delicious. Uh, I did get to only try three of the items during the um, social media shoot. So I've been trying all the other items. And I think they're going to they got some winners on their hands. So. So what's your go-to Wendy's order now? Biscuits and gravy. I am a big biscuits and gravy fan, and I think it's got the right seasoning, the right amount of sauce. Their biscuits are delicious. Um, I also do like their, you know, the breakfast baconator. If I'm incredibly hungry, it's a very large breakfast sandwich. Uh, But I do like their regular, like, bacon, egg, and cheese sandwich on their kind of brioche bun. Um, I think that's incredibly delicious. My wife really, uh, we had it this morning, really enjoys that chicken biscuit with the honey butter on it. I think that thing is delightful as well, so... Okay. And you had nothing to do with the actual creation of those items. Those were all brought to you. Correct. Those were all brought to me. Um, He's no longer with the company, but I think my uh, my college buddy, Marshall Scarborough, who was a chef at Wendy's, we graduated together. He was working at Wendy's while I was working at McDonald's, so we never talked shop or anything, but... Um, he actually just recently moved on to a different company, but I thought I think him and uh, the team there did a fantastic job of uh, developing these items. So. And so your social media campaign made it to TV. People see you Again. on TV a lot. I know if you if anybody follows Chef Mike on Twitter, you see people posting screenshots of oh, you yeah. on TV, which is actually kind of funny. That is crazy. What What's next for you and Wendy's? Are there any new partnerships? I don't know yet. So obviously we did the social media thing. Um, I, it went over, I guess, well enough that internally they gave me a call. They're like, hey, guess what? I think this is pretty cool. Would you like to be in a national uh, TV commercial? And I said, absolutely. Um, so I didn't have to reshoot anything. They kind of edited it to make uh, make a national commercial. Um, you know, I'm going to do my best. You referenced uh, the phone guy. If I could be that dude, that would be amazing. Why I think, and this is my pitch to Wendy's, please. The difference is all of those, whether it be that lady Flo who represents what you know, whatever company. Progressive. Progressive. I don't know if I could say. I don't want to break you the can rules. Say brands. Okay. So the phone guy, to be clear, <laughs> I'm talking about the guy who used to rep Verizon. Yes. Can you hear me now? Can you hear me that now? Guy. I'm forgetting his name at the mm-hmm. moment. And now he is an ads for Sprint. Yeah. Oh yeah. Very. You know, I'm sure they take care of him very well. But the difference, I am. It was my name in the commercial. I'm actually representing myself as a chef, which I am. Um, So I think there's a little more we could do with the fact that I could then go attend an event, you know, or go to a Comic-Con or I'm a big nerd. So I could go hand out Wendy's stuff at a convention or whatever. Um, You know, I would love to do that for them, but have not had that discussion. They just launched a national breakfast program. They're a little busy at the moment. So I'll give them some time before I start saying, all right, use me for all kinds of cool stuff. But we'll see what happens. But you're a big gamer. And Wendy's has done stuff in the gaming industry. They did that Feasts of Legends game last year. Mm -hmm. Did you have a chance to play that? Uh, I have a hard copy of the book. So uh, I am a huge Dungeons & Dragons nerd. And for all those who are also out there, I play in a 3.5 edition, but I DM a 5th edition. I know you have no idea what that means. I'm looking at Mike like, what? But no, go ahead. Go ahead. There's an older set of rules and a newer set of rules and books, and so I dabble in both. But I thought the activation with Critical Role was 
awesome. I am a huge critter. I went and saw them uh, at C2E2, the comic convention that was just here. I saw them do a live show and then at, I sat in at their panel. Um, I thought it was hilarious and awesome. It was fun to see them actually play through that kind of scenario. But So as a D&D player, mm-hmm. how often do you get together with friends and play? Uh, as a family man, we usually do like once a month for like eight hours at a time. So uh, the wifey is nice enough to watch the kids um, because it, it takes a lot of time and energy. Um, so I'm playing once a month, but I am actively listening to my Critical Role podcast to keep up almost every day. Um, it's like a huge elaborate story, a never ending. It'd be like binging Netflix a a show that's been out for seasons and seasons, this uh, elaborate story that continues to change. Um, And I like it too because it's a little bit improv as well. So things that everybody was planning on happening could go horribly wrong. And that happens in the game as well that I play. So for people who are listening to this podcast, Mm -hmm. what podcasts do you recommend to people who are new to Mm D&D or trying to keep up with D&D now that they have... You know, um, maybe a little time on their hands. Well, I can shout out. I was on Dragon Talk, the official Dungeons and Dragons podcast. I like to say that for nerd credibility. Um, so that's a fun one. If you want to hear the actual Wizards of the Coast, the company that makes Dungeons and Dragons and like Magic the Gathering. Um, if you want to hear people in that industry. Um, I know that uh, some famous folk like, is it Joe Manganello or Manganello? I don't know if it's hard G or soft G. I always mess it up. Uh, but he's a great example of a big, uh, apparently he's aesthetically pleasing human who plays Dungeons and Dragons that people are like, I can't believe that guy plays plays it. He's a big jock who has been in some movies with shirts off and all that. Um, so it's cool. It's really cool for me to see like, Famous people who you wouldn't think. I know Stephen Colbert used to play back in the day. Um, so he did a little uh, activation with one of the critical role people. But um, I mean, there are so many different smaller D&D podcasts out there. They're all amazing. It takes a quick Google search to see which ones are you know most popular. But, you know, you could find kind of a style that you like. Maybe you want all cool, good heroes and a follow a story like that. If you want some people a little more shady in what they do as far as in-game, not in real life, um, there's plenty of uh, content out there for that as well. I wanted to ask you, and I know that you just went to C2E2 recently, mm-hmm. which was here in Chicago. With everything that's going on with coronavirus right Mm -hmm. now, do you think that's going to hit that industry? Um, I would think so. I know as far as video gaming, some of the big conventions like PAX East, um, E3, a lot of the big brands are pulling out just for safety of their employees. Um, However, gaming, yes, tabletop, you're you're usually playing with friends. You're not necessarily having uh, a bunch of people from all over the place come in. Um, But there's also a lot of technology involved, whether it's the, you know, uh, D&D Beyond or Roll20 apps. You could actually Skype and play the game, you know, not necessarily in person. Video games, a lot of times you are playing at home anyway, so you're not. So it might actually boost the play uh, it potentially, um, but I see that maybe doing things live at conventions and stuff might have a little bit of effect, uh, you know, right. companies representing themselves at these events. So there might be more in-home video sure, gaming. yeah. I would say less, Skyping, yeah. you know, kind of using technology to connect with people just like how social media works. I don't have to travel to Spain to talk to somebody from Spain. I can do it uh, via computer, so there might be a little more more of that coming up. 
All right. And let's get back to food because yes, after all, I like you, are, food too. you are Chef Mike. Yes. Uh, I know you have two little ones at home and you're mm-hmm. a busy guy, but when you get a chance to cook whatever you want, what's your go-to dish? I am. So I'm actually a certified barbecue judge and I do barbecue competitions like KCBS, which is what the big boys, uh, you might have seen Pitmasters on TV, Myron Mixon and uh, Tuffy Stone, all those guys, they do KCBS um, so I do that. So there's a great reason because as a family man, I have to stay home for 12 hours and watch brisket in a smoker. May or may not have an adult beverage or two. Uh, it you know it it allows me not to have to do a lot of technique. I just need time, and I could spend time with my family while it's cooking, and then I have a meat feast at the end of the day. So a lot of times I'm doing barbecue related shenanigans at home. Shenanigans. Yes. Okay. okay. It doesn't always work out. Sometimes I try crazy stuff or different cooking methods or, um, you know, multiple cooking methods to see if uh, uh, the product comes out better or worse or whatever. But I do play around being an R&D chef. That's kind of my my thing. So. And what's your under-the-radar flavor or product that you use that you think is the next – I don't want to say the next sriracha, but mm-hmm. the next sriracha? I use and. It's one of those things, ingredients around the world, depending on what's happening, can very much affect its availability. So Aleppo chili flakes are my favorite kind of chili to use in anything. It's a nice medium heat, but it's very well-rounded. The real stuff comes from Syria, which now means it is very much more difficult to get now than it has been, I think, in in years past. Um, So it's one of those types of chilies that I use a lot, as well as something like Guajillo chili from Mexico, um, blending different chili flakes and chili powders from international ingredients. I like mashing things up. I wouldn't necessarily call it fusion, but I'll use whatever ingredients I have available and make something awesome with it. Um, And that's kind of my go-to. So I'm borderless cooking, I guess you could say. And it's more about flavor, taste, appearance, balance of flavor and stuff like that for me um, because I'm usually cooking for myself in those regards. And have you convinced your family, your parents, to try some of that spicier stuff, or are they still sticking with the dry Thanksgiving turkey? Oh, no. When it's barbecue time, they come. They they absolutely come. It's fun at contests because you're making way more than anyone could possibly eat. So you tell your friends and family to come. They're in charge of cleanup, but they can eat all the meat and barbecue that they want. So it's a good way to like, all right, we did all the work. You come in. You could have all the meat. You got to wash the dishes, clean up, help us pack up. But it's a good balance of uh, getting them to do some work All right, as well. Great. Well, smart. Feed people with food is very smart. And then they have to do the cleanup. And then do, yeah, the cleanup. That's fair. I think that's fair. Absolutely. All right. Well, I think we're out of time, but thanks for joining me. And- we could keep going because now I'm getting hungry. Well, I mean, we can talk about Wendy's breakfast all day. You know, we could, but I understand we've got things to do. But, I, you know, I appreciate You're just going to have to have me come back out again and we could talk more about nerd things and food things and stuff like that. So. Yes. What is the – besides D&D mm-hmm. – uh, video games. What's your what's your go to video game right now? I am currently trying to finish Borderland Three. So it is. Uh, I've played all the Borderland games. I'm playing it on PlayStation Four. I have all the consoles. I don't have a gaming PC as of yet. Um, I would like to, but once again, having the two babies um, and one of them is not sleeping through the night just yet. Once I could get them down, you know, all night, I could I could hit the video games a little more than I used to, but. 
All yeah, right. So still playing. So stay tuned. Chef Mike will be on Twitter and telling you what he's playing and all that good stuff. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah. Great to have you. Once again, that was Chef Mike Harris. And I'm Jessica Wall, the food reporter at Ad Age. I want to thank our producer, Max Sternlicht, and invite you to subscribe to this podcast on your favorite player and leave us a review. We promise to live up to our name and keep these brief, or at least short enough for your morning commute. Catch you next time. Thank you.